Gamescom 2019. What we're looking forward to. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you, I hope, episode 127. <laughs> Is that right? I'm pretty sure it's 126, right? Because you, well, nope, hold on. Because nope, yep. you always make odds. I make evens. Okay, then we're going to say 127. This is actually one of the first weeks in a long time that I genuinely don't recall. Yeah, like I, so much has happened this week, and I, didn't, I haven't felt great. I've so. done a lot this week, and that's been the thing that's been surprising to me the most. I've is, done. Uh, <clears throat> on top of, you know, typically the working thing has slowed me down from doing a lot of other stuff, but I decided to take a break of my own. And uh, It's 125. We're two episodes ahead of ourselves. There's no way it's 125, is it? It's 125. <laughs> All right, well, 125, I don't know. I'm just going to say that Saul is very, very likely right. I'm looking at the thumbnail right there. (laughs) I see it, too. All right, well, 125. Uh, In case you don't know who we are, like we said, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast uh, where we talk about things from PlayStation. What you looking at there, Saul? I smell something. I smell like cologne all the time. You smell what the rock is cooking? I don't know. There's no cologne, so. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, uh, where we talk about PlayStation and uh, their, of course, other publishers and other manufacturers and how they pertain to PlayStation, things that we think that they should do, like the competition, things that they shouldn't do, like the competition. Um, of course, if you want to watch us on YouTube in video format, you can do so and watch this lovely set and see us gab our lips around. Uh, but if you don't want to watch our ugly faces, then you can go over to Podcast Services. Uh, and you know what? Yeah, if you don't start watching on YouTube, we're going to pull all of our stuff from Podcast Services. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Okay. I can't blame people for not watching a podcast. The only podcast I watch are Joe Rogan podcasts. See, I'm weird. I watch pretty much any podcast. And if I can watch it, I'm going to do it that way. So we're just at a weird difference, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, But anyway, if you want to find us on podcast services, you can do so on things like Google Play Music, iTunes, or more importantly, you can do so on Podbean. We're going to try that thing out because I never really looked into Podbean, but then we had... on it already. We're on it. But I never really looked into it. And one oh, of our patrons, Mr. Rude Cold, uh, mentioned Podbean. And I decided to look into it. And uh, you know what? I'm going to try something. If we talk about Podbean, which I have no problem doing, uh, then they'll promote the show as well. So I guess we're going to try and see how that rabbit hole works out. Uh, but, yeah, you can do so over there. If you want to chime in to the things that we're talking about on YouTube, of course, you can do so in the comments section. Apparently, Podbean also has a comment section if you download the app. So you can also do that over That's there. Cool. But if you listen on other podcast services and still want to give your opinions in of course you can find us on social media so our twitter is at triangle sqrd that's our handle you can find us on facebook in the group triangle squared a playstation podcast uh you can join our moment to moment day-to-day life as much as we can be on there as well as the rest of the community over on our discord where we have things like a uh, general topics or general discussion for everything podcast open discussion where you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast with us in real time as well as other community members you can find things like the community's take section where we ask you uh, a question at the end of every episode in regards to that and then repost it on social media as well as uh, Discord and kind of get y'all's opinions on the things that we talked about in the last episode to inject a little bit of community take into this uh, and other things. So... With that being said, uh, the last thing to cover up is if you like what we're doing here at all, then consider going over to our patron, our Patreon, and becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can get things like Reader Mail and Dickish at Best, which is our off-topic podcast that we do that is not safe for work, whereas this typically is. Um, you can get those early as well as some other stuff, so go check those out. But let's get this show on the road the right way, and the right way is always. Saw what's been up to, what's been playing. 
I have a big week for once. So I have a similar week than the last like six weeks. I of nothing but a little bit of destiny. A little bit of destiny. Uh, I did get to raid with my clan, which is great. We could think we're going to try to do something tonight, but it looks not quite hopeful in our clan Discord. But um, I did. I did finally, finally play through the DLC of Dark Souls Three. Yeah. So now all of it, or just the Ring City? All of it. So what's really cool that I did not know is that I did not know that ashes of Ariandale lead into the Ring City. Okay. In terms of the interconnectivity. So, so there, now, and I'm assuming, so Ashes hit first and then the Ring City hit second? Yeah. And, what and I, there's a chronological order in terms of what happens story-wise? Well, yeah. Um, and I, I knew that you could always a- uh, access uh, Ashes of Ariandel at the chapel, uh, the cleansing chapel in Dark Souls 3. And I knew that you could always access the Dreg Heap, which is the Ring City, um, in... Um, the final area of the game once you go to the last area via a bonfire you could go to another bonfire that transports you to that area which i've actually kind of explored a little bit of that area but i've never once stepped foot into ashes Mm -hmm. and it was really cool i did enjoy my time there a lot i do think that ashes wasn't the best uh souls dlc um but it was still fine Ring City, on the other hand, was absolutely phenomenal. Those are weird. When you have, because like what you're saying is that they do have at least a story progression to them to an extent. Yeah. Um, It's always weird to me when that happens in games, uh, Dishonored being one of them, when you have uh, one, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do. um, Anyway, you have two DLCs that have a flow like they they sequel out to each other essentially in some form or fashion um well the story, and yet the first one is a little weaker than the second one it's the like, story kind of does that but what is really interesting is that in the lore uh gwendolyn who's of course or gwen lord gwen mm-hmm. gwendolyn is his son uh, lord gwen who's the main boss of dark souls one the main antagonist i guess he's the lord that doesn't want to die or link the flame or anything um he created the ring city and didn't tell anybody about it except for a select few. And this is where you finally get to see that. So it's really kind of cool to go there. It also houses one of my favorite covenants of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's called the... Um, no, set- is, is this exclusive to the DLC? Yeah, in this you time can around? only access it. And I'll tell you why. Because it is called Spears of the Church. And it is a boss covenant. And what that is, is you equip the covenant and you'll be running around and you'll get summoned and you are the boss. Your player character fights another player who is fighting the boss. They go in there, and there's a little painted guardian that summons you. Okay. And anytime you anytime you fight that boss, unless you're playing offline, I don't actually know how that works. I'm sure they summon an NPC boss, but you will fight another player as the boss. The boss health at the bottom is your health. Okay. And you still see it at the top. So every time you get hit, you see the ch- a chunk get knocked off at the bottom. So it's like a PvP covenant, but it's a boss. You're a boss. So you get summoned in, and they have to fight you to progress on through the game. It's really cool. Yeah, that is a very, very different setup. Yeah, it's it's super cool. And the final boss, the final two bosses of that are my favorite bosses of Dark Souls 3. Um, and now, this is specifically Ring City? Yeah, and they passed Abyss Watchers as my favorite boss because it's wow. just, they're two really, really cool bosses and really, really challenging bosses. But um, yeah, I did play a fair amount of Dark Souls 3. There's still two things that I'm tinkering with in terms of my next Let's Play. And I still have made my mind up for it because the way I do these Let's Plays, just to let everybody know for Saw Plays, is that 
if I find a build online that I like and I want to play with that build, I will watch a video or a guide on that build and then I will interject my own guide into it and I have to write all of this out. Um, and I have a full guide written out of something that I want to do for Dark Souls 1, um, which is a Soul Level 1 build. And this is kind of going through... Um, of what see and I, I like I literally will write out a roadmap and a guide on what I need to do in terms of a checklist for myself before I play or what I think is going to work at least yeah so I think I'm going to do Dark Souls 1 so level 1 if I do anything soon um, it just kind of really just depends on my life but that's kind of been it for this week. That depends on my life. I get what you mean. It's just a weird <laughs> saying. <laughs> very, it can be very dark. It almost on, sounds ominous depending yeah. on how you go into it. Yeah, de- well, depending on my life. Also, uh, for those that have ever played Dark Souls 3, this is actually the perfect time to get back into it because as of recording this, there is an event going on that started uh, Saturday the 17th of August, and it's called Return to Lothric. And it's that yearly event where uh, it kind of goes in order. And so, like, next year will be Dark Souls 1 again, where they're going to, like, it's going to be around the launch window of Dark Souls Remastered, or maybe even Dark Souls 1, where it's, you know, return to Dark Souls 1. And everybody starts playing again, it gets really active, you see a lot more summon signs everywhere, messages everywhere, it's like the game launched again in terms of everything you see around the world. It's really cool. So is this an event that, because I've actually never partaken in it, but I've heard of them, but I've never looked in to see, is this something that that From Software actually does, or is this more of a community-based That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if From Software does this. They might have done one the kickstarted everything that, but, that everybody thought was cool and just kind of followed. Yeah. And so well, it's like demon souls. They cut the servers for that. Yeah. We've seen people go back and actually make the game live completely again. Yeah. They wanted to, you yeah, know, and that's, that's what's really cool. And it, it is really as somebody who plays dark souls three and one on and off. I, I know how active it is. It's and dark souls three never died. It was always fairly still active. Yeah. Um, but to see everything now, it's like when you first like beat a boss, and then all of a sudden, there was messages everywhere saying, like, I did it. Or you go to a boss gate, and there's, you know, tens of, maybe even hundreds of summon signs scattered. And it's just like a really bright, colorful walkway up to the boss of, like, summon me, summon me kind of thing. It's really cool. I really enjoy seeing it again. I've never thought about it moving away from when I play the games. Because I tend to, I'm not like you, I tend to play them one and done. Even though I very, I really enjoy them, it's just... I already have problems trying to keep up with my games. I want to keep, I want to actually play and I have a huge backlog, but um, I never really thought about it. Do I, I assume that the way you're talking about this is that when they've seen like they've been dead, if they've gone on for long enough and they're kind of gone, I never really thought about it. How long do the messages stay in the game? The messages only are there when somebody's online. It's if I wrote a message, the message goes away. If I go offline. Wow. Yeah. So okay. So if you see a message out in the wild, uh, somebody's online. Now, Unless when you log like back a, in, does their message show again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My messages will stay there, and I'll get healed if somebody rates it. Wow. So, like, if somebody okay, runs yeah. around and rates it. So, I've been leaving messages everywhere. Um, my little Owen Wilson wow there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've been leaving messages everywhere for people, like, showing them the secrets or, like, um, just the path to go or, like, you know, you, you remember the tree jump to get on top of Firelink? I, yep. was, I put a little message at the top of Firelink so that somebody can say, like, hey, there's a message there. Can I get there somehow? And they're like, they'll maybe mess with the tree if they don't know how. And then it says, congratulations, you did it. And then I have, like, you can program emotes into messages in Dark Souls 1. Yep. So I did, like, the jumping for joy emote. Yeah. So that it's fun. It really is. And Dark Souls 3 is, like, and 1 are two games that like if I want to get my mind off things and like listen to a podcast and get away from everything, those are my go-to. Cause it's so like, it's, it's very, for me, it's very 
Um, I'm trying to think, it, it's so involved that like I have to constantly think of like where I'm going next. Yeah, so but it so, allows you to get your mind off of other stuff. Yeah, but it's so backseated at the same time that I can listen to a podcast. Gotcha. So I know exactly what to do and where to go, but it still requires backseat thinking in a way. Sure. Secondary thinking, and then I can listen to a podcast, and I don't have to worry about you know. It's not like playing a game for the first time where I have to like what listen to dialogue or anything like that. Yes, but yeah. it's not like playing Destiny where I kind of just mindlessly can go through Destiny. It's yeah. like it requires thought, but it's not. Well, and Destiny gets weird because if you're playing with other people, it becomes the well. Yeah, I'm talking about single though. But yeah, like, yeah, solo. exactly. I got you. But what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Ah, uh, man, my week has been stacked. So of course I got the Bloodstained uh, Platinum, which I think I had by the time we recorded last week, thanks to Liam. Uh, but thank you, Shadow. Following out. off from that i think i did too uh but following from that i know i at least shouted out that he was helping me prior to it if nothing else but um following off of that i did pick my vita back up and started playing steam world dig 2 again as i've done off and on uh, and i'm happy to say that as of yesterday i actually beat it i'm i'm surprisingly close yet far from a platinum and it's mainly because like the number of trophies i have left are very little but the number, the amount of things you have to do to get those trophies are just annoying. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to go into the game like that again. Um, one of them is like you have to, in the game, you get a rating based off of all the things you've done. So you, uh, it, how much wealth you accrued in the game, how many times you died in the game. And the only way to get a gold star from death in the game is to not die even once. So you have to go through the entire game without dying, which is not that crazy if you play on easy for sure. And there's no, as right. far as I've seen, there's no difficulty barrier to it. Uh, but you have to get, there's there's four different things that you can get ranked on. You have to get a gold star in all of them in the same playthrough, which is weird because time is one of them. Wealth is one of them, death is one of them, and I can't remember the last one. Uh, but regardless, time and wealth kind of fight each other because to get to the max of wealth, you have to pretty much get the entire map cleared of its, uh, whatever you want to call it, resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets pretty weird in that, but I enjoyed that game a lot. Uh, I like the style of game a lot, and it kind of has got me wanting to ping back into downloading uh, Super Motherload back onto my PS4 and playing some more of that. I don't know that I will, uh, just because I have so much stuff going on. Uh, but also, there was a sale going on last week, so I decided to pick up Wizard of Legend and Enter the Gungeon because I've played Enter the Gungeon a million times, but I've never owned it. <laughs> um, so I picked both of those up. They're very similar games. So I've been playing Wizard of Legend. It's a. It, it's very much for me those types of games are what I kind of think of when I think about the game that you can put on and you can do other stuff with them because it's kind of backseat thinking, but you still got to pay attention. Right. Since there's not really a story going on in those games as much, all you're really doing is you're having to focus on enemies and stuff. So you, since there's no dialogue to completely contend with, you can put something else on and enjoy it that way. Or you could just play it and enjoy it, you know. But I'm probably going to start doing that as that's what I like about those games. That's also what... Uh, uh, Dead Cells was for me. And like Death Gambit. Yeah. And well, Death Gambit, because I actually, there was a little bit more of a story to it. I didn't play it with any kind of podcast on, but in future runs like yeah, you do, it was all definitely text, would work. Though. That, those kind of games, like where it's text based story, where I don't have to, like, I can read. Like, but that. what happens is I read what's on the screen. You'll click next and, and you'll be like, what did I just read? Not yet. Well, yeah, exactly. Because it's like, if I'm listening to something else, the words start to conflate to each other. And I'm like, did I just read? And it'll be That's like, That's when I just tune the words out for a couple seconds and read. But yeah. then I'm like, what, but then I what feel if, like I'm missing something. Like what kind of crazy stuff did Eddie Barbo say this time? <laughs> exactly. So things like that happen. Uh, but I've enjoyed that quite a bit. I hopped into No Man's Sky VR and boy, let me tell I you. I heard it's good. It's so good. It's one of those things where for it to have been, for it to have been added in post, it seems so thoughtful. 
it seems like the game was completely designed. Now, of course, some of this is because of changing things around to work with VR and outside of VR is both, you know, uh, letting it work in both. But some of it's just how mindful the game's already existing design was in terms of being able to easily support VR while making sure that the control schemes made a lot of sense. So I started with controller. And that was obviously felt normal. That's just playing the game, but now you have the ability to control your head. Uh, while I was playing with John, uh, John Austin, and we were shout going out through. To my boy. Shout out to our boy. And I'm going to be playing Ryan. Hopefully, you've gotten this back on, and you can make enough time to play this in the little squad. We will do so hopefully. Um, but what was great? It's like loading in and realizing it's like, okay, I'm going to go to motion controls now. And you can move between them freely as you please. Uh, and motion controls were great. You can see your hands, the way they actually go into, like you have to pull the multi-tool off your back by doing the gesture, uh, which was great. It feels good to do. Uh, when you go to do changes on stuff, you actually will point your other hand at the back of your other one, and you can get to your menus in a way that feels way better than the cursor ever did. Cool. Um, and the the thing that really just gets you is a sense of scope is so big. Like scope and scale of the world is so crazy that you immediately kind of start smiling the moment you get into a ship and start flying out in the space and realize like and looking around it's like holy crap I was just ear to ear grinning the whole time now the only downside is is that motion controls uh, typically when you're doing motion controls or typically when you're doing flight controls in the game for that uh, definitely with spaceships I'll normally keep inverted control flight control on the on the up and down yeah axis. for spaceships for like anything that requires something I think would use a stick it has to be inverted exactly now what gets weird about that is because of the way they chose to implement and I, it's still really cool and I appreciate it because it's just different that it's a ship the way they chose to implement flight controls with motion controls is really cool because you actually have the throttle level that you pull in real time uh, and then you also have the stick that you would use to steer. Well, because you don't have you, you have both hands doing this, and the way that they chose to orient the uh, the right hand for that, you don't end up holding the move controller directly up and down, and then controlling it, you know, like a like a stick would, right. which feels unfortunate. It's the only real downside of the thing I can really see because instead you have to keep the motion control with the light facing outwards, and then you're trying to do these fine controls that just feel different. So me and John both found, even though he has a stick and is so used to inverted, that when you're doing the motion control, if you don't want to have to relinquish and over to a controller to keep flight feeling better, uh, in that regard, you in terms use of inverted, a, you use a flight stick. Uh, no, sadly, we uh, tried. He has one. But that's what we, I thought you were going but, when you said that. No, what we did is just if you're going to stay with motion controls, I would advise, and I think he would too after he went through it, turning your inverted off if you're going to use motion controls because it actually helps a lot. When your hand's out, if it's up, doing this makes sense. When your hand's out, so and when if you, you can see. So if you have a stick and you pull up, does your hole go What up? happens is you got to do this. And it just, because of the fact that you can pull up so well, but down is so much harder to, to do your wrist in a way that feels as much as control. Because think about it this way. Think about when you have the stick in your hand like this, and you go down and up. You have a, yeah. you have a better range of movement. But when you're holding the controller like this, you having to, you're already holding it this way, and you're having to kind of... Yeah, angle it downwards. doesn't feel right. Um, so changing it made a world of difference and made the game feel so fun. So now that now when you go when you actually pull back, you go up. Yes, cool. Yeah, so it, it it works, but you can also easily use motion controls the entire time you're out of the ship, and then the moment you get into the ship, you can just pick the controller up and play if you wanted to. So have they fixed the problem that I have the inherent problem with No Man's Sky, where it's I'm gonna go do this, 
and gather material for this, but on the way to that, I have to gather other materials because I keep running out of resources. That's always going to be part of the game, but there's things that they've done that that once you get in the groove of being there, you're set up to where you're in kind of like a tumble. It's going to tumble down the way you need to, but you do have to go through that to start, no matter what. That's my biggest problem with the game, is that if I'm going to go mine, you know, Well, it's it's kind of like Minecraft. I mean, and... and, and, Minecraft doesn't do that, though. Well, but they do in in the sense of... But it's it's much longer, I guess. But but it's more involved on No Man's Sky. And I I agree with you, but that's partially because of scope and scale of No Man's Sky and what it's trying to do. But you're right, but when you're thinking about Minecraft, it's like the same the same thing exists just to a slightly less annoying depending on who you well, are it, in nature because it's, it's, it's not, like well, I gotta go but now I'm trying to do this one thing and I'm trying to get diamonds but while I'm going to get diamonds I'm having to worry about my hunger and while I'm having to worry about my hunger it's like they tumble around the same yeah, way yeah but it's not nearly as a quick process yes and I understand and especially for materials because like if I'm gonna go get diamond chances are if I start with the wooden pickaxe that pickaxe is gonna go into a stone pickaxe and then what is it after that uh, iron pickaxe you know that iron pickaxe isn't going to break on the way to getting diamond which is the problem of like you run out of resources well with your eventually guns. it goes you have to have the right pickaxe but the same what thing iron goes pickaxe is what gets diamonds <clears throat> i can't remember which one it is yeah, I, I thought you ain't going to kill an iron pickaxe before then i couldn't remember if it was gold or what well, it also depends on what you're hours. doing right it, yeah. it really does uh but it's the same thing is that you could be right before a diamond and then your pickaxe does break and then you have to go and you have to get the stuff needed to yeah, make another pickaxe it's or you have to teleport back compared. you're right it is it's still that's, different but it's similar that's my only issue with the game is yeah. It feels like a chore to go do what I want to do. As you start to build up your base, there's things that'll get this for you. Essentially, okay. it comes so it's down just to. like get through the little grindy moment in the beginning, or not even. It's not even grindy. It's just get through the. You can set yourself up to where it's doing things for you in a lot of ways, but it does take the time for you to build these things out, and then that means that you've got to get the resources to build these things out. What would that? What would that be? It's not grindy. I, mean, I don't want to make it sound I would like say, it's grindy. I would say it, it technically is a grind, but it's it's a purposeful well, it, it's grind. Like a, it's, at that it's point. more of like, I don't want to have to keep worrying about resource management. Yeah. Which is like, it just depends on what you like. It's uh, you, you could say simulation-y, because in a way that's what you're worrying about, but it's well, not as semi as something like uh, Elite Dangerous, if I'm remembering, if I'm remembering well, I love the game Elite Dangerous, correct. And the thing about Elite Dangerous is that I'm not going to run out of resources unless I really mess up because of the, 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 the nature of Elite Dangerous. Versus the nature of an, um, what is it called? Um, a generated game. Okay, yeah, yeah. Openly generated. What is it called? Uh, randomly generated. Randomly generated. Yeah. I don't know why I can't think today. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's that I may not find what I'm looking for on this planet, but I'm going to spend a while searching for it, but I'm going to run out of resources in that process. Yeah. And so, that's for material farming. I'm not talking about yeah. really anything else. So just to kind of to show you what it is that helps that as you keep going is that there's tech that alleviates the need for how much fuel you're going to need to start off so that you're doing these things a lot less often as well as having things that can sometimes get these materials for you. So the first thing is, is when you first start, you can only lift off four times before you run out of fuel to literally lift your starcraft up right you know and then you can start to get that to where first upgrade you have five times you keep upgrading it and it gets to a point where you can do it 10 times without any kind of problem uh and the same thing happens with how much fuel it's going to use versus how much fuel you can carry so you can put more fuel in at once and you can kind of do these things a little more staggered out uh but lastly um let's see i played anthem today uh before this didn't get to play the cataclysm event itself i as i'm doing the startup missions for cataclysm which yeah. is three or four missions you have to do to get into it uh and i'm planning on getting on after we get done uh, recording with one of our patrons mr porter good friend and hopefully one of our longtime listeners mr rj Bur- uh, rj loki rj burger i'm thinking of the mtv show rj loki um what so is yeah. RJ Burger? Is that a TV show? The, yeah, the Hard Times of RJ Burger. 
It's a MTV show, and it's the one where you you probably remember it. It's the high school kid. He drops his his basketball shorts fall off, and the whole school finds out that he's well endowed. That's where we're gonna leave it. <laughs> I've never heard of it or seen. It's a show. great show. I love it to death. Uh, got me through some uh, weird times, but anyway. Yeah, it's been a good week for that. Uh, while I also managed to watch uh, the new Invader Zim movie, which was great. Felt like a, a perfect return to Invader Zim. I need Zim. to watch the new Invader Zim and Rocco movie. I've heard more complaints about Rocco's. I have too. But, but Rocco's an older show being more modernized by nature. So I, I wonder if that plays a part well, in it. Well, apparently that's what it is. It's like they're going to some, they're addressing like current things in our world. Which, which is always what Rocco's Modern so Life different. was about. Yeah, but it's so different from what but you remember it's it It's 20 years removed from the original Rocco's Modern Life that it gets weird. Whereas yeah. Invader Zim was always a newer show, and by by being a sci-fi show, it was a different in that it never feels like it's dated in the same way. My, my problem with Invader Zim, and we'll get off this real quick because this is not PlayStation related, but uh, my problem with Invader Zim was, it all, I love it, but it was too random me. Like, I felt like I had an ADD watching that show with everything that would happen. <laughs> yeah, the movie's not going to be any better. I know, well, I, I think I, I might know. not like that as an adult. So. I don't know, man. Actually, I really enjoyed it. It almost felt better than any of the Invader Zim episodes by nature of maybe because it was a more drawn out, but it, it's part of it comes down to like it. it gives a little bit of a redemption to Zim, who's normally incompetent completely, but then also still stays true to the fact that that's what the show is supposed to be about before it's all said and done. And then Dib kind of gets his redemption arc, even though he goes through some humiliation as well. It's really interesting how it works out, but I enjoyed it a lot. So if you like Invader Zim, go check it out. Uh, but. Yeah, I've enjoyed my time. Yesterday, I took off and did nothing but played games all day and watched movies. So I watched literally Red State, Invader Zim, and also played hours upon hours of games yesterday because I've been doing so much work outside. I think I've got to stop or I'm going to kill myself because I was like, I started to get depressed about the only thing I felt like I was doing was just working, coming home, and working more. Yeah. So. Gotta get some time for yourself. It was good to have a break. But uh, anyway, this is going to lead us into uh, a well-deserved and I think a really well-discussed in terms of throughout the community's take. It's something that I think really needed maybe even a longer form of conversation from us just because of the way of what it was. It's hard to deal with. But uh, the community's take section in regards to last episode, and uh, let me pull up real quick. What I asked was... Do you think that video games lead to violent tendencies in kids or adults, realistically, uh, either wholly or partially? If so, why? If not, then why not? One of the biggest things that I think hit me uh, from a conversation with a friend who I know who uh, who suffers from mental illness um, and, and takes it pretty seriously, as well as other people on here who know people who suffer from mental illness, I think we got to a much more nuanced conversation than what we really allowed ourselves to dig into in the episode. And the one complaint, and it's, it's not even a complaint, it's almost like the one criticism i don't even want to know it's, it's not even that but it's essentially uh they pointed out you know one of the things that happens by us being people who are not really severely in fact impacted by any form of mental illness ourselves as well as other people who end up happening to this is that one of the things that happens is that just like for us where we feel like people who don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, who don't understand video games and don't really have anything to do with them immediately shirk their responsibility off to video games uh, without much thought or real detail into why they feel that way. What also ends up happening is that sometimes without enough thought and care into the way that we're wording things, a lot of people end up shirking these things off into mental illness, which is a very broad spectrum of things. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that by nature of whether we intended it to or not, you can sometimes with with the way that you can bring these things up and not going into enough detail as I think we probably should have. And I felt that when we were done, but we were kind of done. So it's like, what are you going to do? Uh, but it's like 
we're doing the same thing that people are doing to video games just to mental illness. But at the same time, no, hold, no, on, no, no, hold, no, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, we're not. I'm going, to, I'm making my way there in terms of by not going into enough details, what we mean, because what ends up happening in this situation is that I know for sure I'm not knowledgeable enough on mental illness across the board. But at the same time, there is an easy answer in your mind of someone who feels the need for whatever reason it was who to take someone else's life, definitely massive amounts of people's lives because of this distress that they're in has to have something wrong with it in their mind, which we, which we say out loud as mental illness, but mental illness also. Yeah, I know. I know I'm getting, that's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. But what also happens is it doesn't go into enough detail of why, what caused the mental illness. It can't because what happens, nobody will ever know. Well, and it's a case by case basis. And that's what I mean is that for the majority, it's a very nuanced conversation. That's really hard to have in the small scope of time that we kind of gave it. And it's also something that's just really and across all this right now. Where, gaming, where, where, it's like everything's kind of touchy. Where was this at? Hmm? Where was this at? What are you talking about? The criticism. What do you mean? Didn't you say we got this as criticism? Yeah, from one of my friends, actually. Oh, okay. But, and it's somebody, and I, and I get it. Essentially, what well, it came down to, the criticism was the way we were talking about it could be seen as grading because of the way that we talk about it. I, I, I'm trying to even think of the way to word it, but look, there's things I want to bring up in here that I think are, are important and we'll get those done real quick. Cause this was a very, very responded to community stake, the most that we've ever had. So one of them here that I think was really important is Mr. Rob Henry, who has his own podcast. If you want to go check that out. Uh, and Rob, I am actually skipping on it right now. You're going to tell me what it is again, so I can properly blast you out on the podcast. Uh, but he says video games are getting the raw end of the deal which I agree with. They are the easy scapegoat instead of dealing with the real issues. I feel like the outlook and overall belittlement of mental health is a one in t- is one of two huge factors. So again, that gets into the part of this is a more nuanced conversation. And he goes on to say, having a bad mental health day should be no different than having a cold slash flu. You go see a doctor and they help you, but instead it's looked down upon to get mental help societally. Of course, the second factor <clears throat> to me is parenting or the lack thereof, which does go into the point of some mental illnesses are caused by actual things that have happened and trauma that exists over the thing. While some people are born with mental illnesses that are very different in the way that they manifest themselves. Yeah. And that's what it gets into is that by throwing it in as a lump thing, it's just like people who throw in the thing of technically speaking, I'm sure like all media, there is somebody who's probably done something because of video games, but that's not, it, why was it because of the video game? Was it also because it was linked to a specific mental illness that they have due to a, something that happened well, in their life? I think, and that's why I say if when you just say mental illness without going into it, it does get hard because there are different forms of mental well, illness and it's a very wide umbrella. Then, then that makes it sound like Which you games can't are, say that. I don't mean that either. I know, but I'm saying that it sounds like that people are implying that you can't say that without being grading. And my thing is, is that if you are a person, and this goes for any form of any kind of moral act okay that it could that could be expect like any kind of massacre of any kind mm-hmm. any form of tragedy that you can cause yourself you caused it on purpose you had a plan mm-hmm. you committed which we know that. in both of these cases was the case manifesto yes was given by one of you them committed these were all that plans, because so. of a chemical imbalance in your brain you could not rationalize things that you felt 
and we're not saying it's depression, anxiety, schizophrenia. It, we we don't know. Well, and the thing is, is it could be all of those. Yeah, it could and be all of those. Are we, are leading in further? Right, you know? and unless that person admits it, there's no current way that in medicine that you can go back and, and examine a brain to see what it was doing uh, at the time it died, a dead now, brain. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, to there, be fair, uh, but also did I? And this is oddly enough, I haven't even thought about this. I thought both of these people are survived, right? The Dayton shooter and the other shooter are well, both no, alive, I know, but right? I'm just saying like... That it, was just curiosity. It, yeah, 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 that was curiosity. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the one in El Paso Often those do end with people arrested. shooting themselves, yeah. but I well, think they, that they, both of these people survived. So. Right, and so my point on all of that is that when they say, if anybody's being graded to video games, it's the media. And yes. if anybody's being degrading to mental health, it's the media blaming it on video games for not taking mental health seriously. Right? Because they're finding a scapegoat instead of addressing the problem. Yeah, but I guess the same thing is if you, when you go into it and with a not, because it's, again, goes to the, the, the question that I'm basing all of this off of is that when you, when, when you then go, okay, so you have a, a series of events here is that some of the media immediately go video games, right? right. Without any further discussion as to what that actually means. And are at least not enough because right. video games are a very it wide umbrella too, right? That video games are the cause. And then you have mental health, which means that, and what happens, I guess, I guess this is what I mean. For people who don't know enough about video games and people who don't know about enough about mental health, this is essentially the same thing of somebody who doesn't really isn't involved with those things enough says something. And then it looks like to the outside of people who don't know anything about video games, that video games across the board are the problem. Exactly. So well, then, I said a scapegoat. Yes. And then, so what happens there when certain people end up saying also mental health, I think what they're getting at, and I actually agree with this the more I think about it, is that when you don't talk enough about why some of that mental health exists, which is the one question that it all rests on to me is even if it's mental health, which, which it comes down to eventually it is a break of mental health yeah. is what caused that. And sometimes that can be society. That can be societal well, yeah. problems. That it can, can be, be parenting problems. That can be Job literally problems. born be, that way. Yeah. Relationship problems, yeah. friendship problems, so, anything. But when you don't give it enough due diligence and I'm not, I'm not saying we gave it no due diligence. It's just, I think that it was hard well, no, across the board sure and that, I don't know enough. About I'm just making sure that, that your friend that said that knows that, like, no, it's it, it's fine. We have a good understanding. We've, I'm, we spoke I'm sure about I it know this large. person, too. You probably do. And I'll tell you who it is. I, know, I just don't think it's worth bringing up on well, Yeah, I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah. My own name said. But I know I know who it is. Um, but my thing is, is that I don't want somebody to think that for any second that I'm trying to grade mental health at all. It is, as a matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. If, if anything, it enrages me more to know that the media is using that as a scapegoat because when you use a scapegoat, you were not causing a conflict to be resolved through and through the scapegoat. You were causing the scapegoat to become a target of something, and instead the real problem at hand gets ignored and never fixed. And that's my point. That's what I okay, don't and like I agree. about it. And that's all I say of going into... That also goes into, and it's one of the biggest responses I've seen across the board on this, which I'm actually really proud of and reading all this stuff. It's really interesting to see people have this because it goes yeah, to we, show we that had. even when people don't, even when there's people like me uh, who are not as knowledgeable as these things as I wish I would have been and I wish I would be now, it's just something that I, I've said it. It's like a, it's like a double edged sword of like, I'm, I'm really happy in one sense, or it's catch 22 rather, where I'm really happy that it's not something I have to deal with, but at the same time, I should be more knowledgeable because I do know a lot of people who suffer from these things. Yeah. Um, but it goes into the same thing of that is that 
if you don't, certain people will look at the same way. And instead of saying you're not dealing with the problems by just saying mental health, it's like if, if you make that and not that we did, but if you do make that the end of the line of it's just mental health and then there's no other discussion that goes on past that, then you don't get to the, you don't get to some of the potential causes for mental health, which is poor parenting, bad childhoods, uh, molestation, beating, you or know, even trauma, or cures. literally being born with a chemical imbalance that can be yeah, solutions over to- time tried to be cured. And, and again, certain people, one of these people that I know, his medicine that he's had to use for a long time right. actually stopped working for him yeah, and no. he had to switch. So when these things happen, it, it does come down to, I, I get it for certain people. When you don't talk about it enough, it just feels like you're doing the same thing. Not completely. And not that we are intending to. And I don't, I guess I can't, I can't put the motive on the people who were putting this on video games that they were intending oh, to do something. When it and, comes and, media, what, what I mean by that is, well, some of it's coming from like politicians and stuff too, right? Once again, and then there's same, also the media, which are, are yeah, are they together? Or yeah, not? it's the same. Either way, I got some other ones I want to touch on here I, that I are really good. Twitter that I really want to touch on. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, our good buddy Ryan said, "I think parents who allow their children to play violent video games and aren't actively having conversations with them about their lives lead to children having more violent video games, more violent tendencies." But tendencies, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I am not a parent. So what I am going to say is something that cannot really be held with a grain of salt because obviously I don't have a child. I don't know how I would actually act. Yeah. To me. It's easy to talk. Sometimes it's hard yeah. to act. Yeah. To me, if you are a parent who is letting your young child play stuff like Grand Theft Auto, you're probably not a parent who's going to have conversations with them about their lives in this video game, right? In any case I've ever seen personally – myself growing up playing grand theft auto my dad never stopped to tell me the importance like or like what i was doing in that video game mm-hmm. but it comes from like a moral like moral compass in a way like you know you're not supposed to go run around and drive over people in real life but if you're but if you're, when you're young that enough, young enough yeah, you don't when realize you're that. that young enough that falls on the parent because it's impressionable yes yeah and, and if you're going to let your and kids it falls do on these the things which first of letting all, them play that game and i'm not going to say that you can't it's your child right across the board if you have a child and you think it's okay for them to play these games all that comes down to is that the onus comes on to you to make sure that they understand that this is a game and to separate games from reality and that what well, exactly what ron talks about ties into the rest of rob's uh response which i really love and he says, and it's going back to the thing, the second factor to me is parenting or lack thereof. I'm not saying it's always intentional, but we are the first generation raised in front of a TV set. I, he's a little older than I am, so I think that he probably is right in his, his age. His it's a little yeah. different because we're multiple generations down. But he says, we are the first generation raised in front of a TV set with controller in hand. Some parents use a TV to babysit, whether it be to make it easier on the parents yeah. or they didn't really have other options, single parents slash both parents working multiple jobs, which again goes to show that there's a multitude of issues that can compound into these things. It's Sometimes it is just layers. bad parents. Sometimes it's parents who don't have options away from it. Uh, and that brings in the thing. He said, I feel like maybe there were conversations or interactions that were missed to convey right and wrong and fantasy from reality. And that ties in exactly to what Ryan's talking about. Yeah. And I, I do want to make a clear, a clarification that like, just because if you are, if you're, if you're a parent and you have a child and you let them play Grand Theft Auto, that doesn't inherently make you a bad parent. If you yeah. don't go through and talk to them about their lives, that doesn't inherently make you 
a great parent or a good parent, but you need to talk to your children about the stuff that they're interested in and, and you need to take note because like I just said, my dad did not talk to me about Grand Theft Auto. He did not tell me, like he sat back and watched me. He did never said, you know, don't do that. That's bad. He never said, uh, I was like maybe 12 or 11. Yeah. Whatever Vice City was, I had it on Well, PS2. and sometimes it's ignorance, right? You've already mentioned it is that sometimes it comes down to the thing of, and I think my dad was in that thing as well because I was playing games like Grand Theft Auto 3 as soon as they came out because my dad was playing them and it was kind of that follow through. And it's not that I've had these issues either, but I think it actually came down to very much your dad and my dad probably had the same thing of, well, they taught and you they a technically, moral compass. They were technically right, right? They're like, we've already talked about this. I know that my kid has a moral compass, so he knows that this is not yeah. right or wrong. And but that, but that's when, there is every chance in the world that I didn't. And maybe he should have talked to me to make sure that I understood that. Yeah. But, hey, that's the and past. That's, well, that's the fine Thankfully, line. Thankfully, it didn't come to anything with me, but it could have. Yeah, and that's the fine line that I, that what I mean by a bad parent is that you're not teaching your kid you know, you're a moral compass. You're not teaching them like, hey, you, know, you shouldn't run over there and hit someone. It's bad to do so. And then you let that same kid go and just play all these M-rated games nearly willy. You know, you're you're just doing a bad job. That kid's going to grow up to be a rotten egg, at least through his childhood, because you're not showing him what to do right and wrong in terms of a moral compass, like in that sense. And Once that again, just comes though, down to severity, too. Yeah, I don't and, have a kid. And I think so. everybody, and one of the things I'll bring up next, which I think was really interesting, and thanks, Rob, and, and, Ryan, and Ryan, both of those yeah. are great. Uh, one that I thought was really interesting is is comes here because it does show things that I know that I'm guilty of as well. And they come from probably a number of things with my childhood of having a dad that was overly angered all the time and having divorced parents and being with one sometimes and one the other, seeing a bunch of things and never having to process these. But uh, Josh shoot, Mr. Bobo may says, you know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate for the sake of discussion. I will say that it is entirely possible for video games to bring out the violent nature in people. I want you to think about a game that you played in which you got to a part that was insanely difficult. And for some reason you could not beat it. I don't know about you guys, but I've had multiple times where I've thrown my controller at the couch. I've seen people that have thrown controllers at their TVs. Is this not considered an act of violence? Let's say you're in that moment and all of a sudden your little brother or sister walks by and makes you mess up after trying to get apart for hours. I don't see where it'd be entirely impossible that you would get mad enough to throw a controller at them. That's And that comes down to something that there's a long running joke and then I want to see what you have to say, but okay. you probably know say, where I'm going with this. I have the this. perfect solution for this. Oh yes, probably, but or not solution, but the perfect answer for this. There's question. a long running joke about since the podcast has started where I've shared pictures of, and this is not something I've done in because I realized it was an issue, uh, but my chair arm being bent down from oh, me, yeah. you know, pounding my fist on it when I'd get mad and yeah. sometimes to a great extent. Uh, and it was something that has been a running joke in the sense of take your, you know, Hakuta was making jokes about it and Liam too, where it's like, you gotta be careful with your chair, but it is, it's something that I realized that joking with it and I'm fine with taking the joke of that is not a right way to respond to something. Now it's there's, not. there's a levels, right? Is that I shouldn't let myself get that mad. And I kind of catch it as this, like, I don't think it's right and it's not something I should be doing, but I'm at least smart enough to know that while I shouldn't have done it, at least what I did it on was an inanimate object that could not hurt anything else. So it's about you had me, a moral compass. it's me knowing to release the anger that I already know that I shouldn't have, but I have it. Now it's time to deal with it. And you knew, and it's, Hey, this is a out, the worst thing you can do is hurt me. Yeah. And that's good enough for me. Now, even then, I've been able to peel that back, and it's not something I do at all anymore. But I went through a time period where that was that. And I do, these are things that probably stem from seeing the things I saw as a kid. My parents didn't deal with anger in well, very and you have a healthy level, ways. You also have, you're level headed, and you know, you, you have that moral compass of like, I'm going to hit my chair, not my daughter. Yeah. 
And I think that you've been, have you ever nailed wood? What do you mean? You ever thrown a nail in wood with a hammer? Thrown a nail in wood? Have you ever nailed a nail in yes. wood with a hammer? <laughs> have you ever hit your hand? Yep. What and you, it's terrible. Yeah. What'd you do to that piece of wood? Yep. Beat it with the hammer. It depends on the wood. But well, yeah, you probably beat something with that hammer. It depends because if it's wood, I'm going to be looking at in the future. I actually get mad at myself for that. Yeah, but no, you're right. Yeah, and then so like, let's say you're a woodworker mm-hmm. and you're working on your project, and that happens, and you you may smack that wood with the hammer. Let's say you're a golfer and you throw your club because hey, you missed your shot. Let's say you're a bowler and you hit a strike, so you throw it with so much force that it may skip a few lanes. Let's say you're a baseball player and you throw your bat at the ground because you missed and you hit yeah. struck out. No, it's a common. thing. It happens with everything. Once again, though. People are level-headed to stop there. This goes back to the mental instability where if you go and harm someone because of anger within yourself from a video game, if you lost a video game and you go beat someone else up because of it, you go throw something at someone, you have an issue. And obviously, we're not psychiatrists. Psychiatrist. Yeah, psychiatrists. We're not psychiatrists. We're not here to tell you what's wrong with you. And it's different for every single person. But that's the fine line there, and that's my train of thought. Like, the same goes for everything. You know, you you see people go, and they get a car. You see, I get road rage. I pretty much yell, scream. I I don't, like, there are things that other people do, though. There are things where people get real close to the car, and they act like they're going to swerve into you. Or they'll honk at you 10 seconds straight, and just then they'll ride you, and then just try to, like, act like they're going to ram into you. Or they'll get in front of you, then brake check you. I don't do any of that stuff, because it's dangerous. Yeah. Technically, me screaming at some at somebody through my windshield or whatever, or even beeping my horn when they're going slow, just like a beep, beep, not like a beep yeah. kind of thing. That could be dangerous, too. If somebody wants to get out and beat me up because of it. But the thing is, I don't put myself or anybody else in the car in danger because of road rage. Yeah, fair enough. There's a fine line there, and I think that it comes down to frustration and how you deal with your frustration. My brain tells me, hey... Let's speed up a little bit to get by this person because I don't want to be near them because they just almost swerved into me. Just like that time me, you, and Joe went to Fuji's. Yes. Dude almost broke out of a lane and hit me despite the fact I had the right of way. He wasn't paying attention to where he was at, and he pulled out right in front of me. So what did I do? Wait for him to get up in front of me? I swerved into the next lane, or I lane changed or whatever legally with a blinker, and then I zoomed past him and got in front of him way up down the line. I did not want to be near that person in that car because they obviously can't drive. And but, I yelled at them, and I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I honked real loud too because they were like ten feet away from me by the time I hit my brakes. But I didn't get out and beat them up. I didn't follow them home. I didn't do none of that, you know. And people, that's where they'll cross the line, and that's where they need to seek mental help to find out what's wrong with them. And nobody's trying to put a blame on mental health. Is like, oh, well, it's just mental health. Ignore it. No, I'm. If anything, I am one of the biggest advocators of mental health that i i personally know i actually encourage people you know you have anxiety don't say you know oh i'm fine no you have anxiety you have a problem you yes. need to you need to deal with it you know i have depression and i i know how to like i know how it makes me feel like to deal with it you know i play dark souls 3 as i've said before but i have depression i'm not gonna ignore that i'm not gonna say i don't have a mental problem you know when you said earlier i had a mental problem i didn't want to speak up but like that's the thing right is that yeah i have depression i have anxiety you don't hide that from someone. You tell people you love so they can help you get through it. If you don't have someone you love, you kind of find ways to deal with it. You know, If you are alone and you need someone to talk to, you can uh, go online and try to find somebody to play a game with online. You know, you go deal with it in your own way, but you don't hold it in and you don't ignore what you have. Don't try to mask it because it's going to make you feel worse. Yeah. If you try to deny, like, oh, I don't have anxiety. This is just butterflies. No, 
If you get sick yeah. feeling every time you go to work, you have anxiety. If you, you know, stuff like that, don't mask it. If anything, and me and Brett have talked about it before, I am a big advocator for mental illness and stuff. And I've said point blank to Brett multiple times, you have anxiety, you have severe anxiety, you have mental illness. It's not something to be ashamed of anymore. You can be out and open, you know. We're not back where, you know, you say, um, you know, I, I get sick uh, every time, like, or I get a sick feeling in my stomach every time I do something, or I don't like being in big crowds, you know. People back, way back when, and some people now will tell you, oh, shut up, just, just do it, whatever. Some people, but now it's more understanding. It's more of a better world to be out when you have these problems. But there's a lot of room for it to grow to. And it's, I think uh, some of that could come from older generations who are just still in this position of being able to Yeah, kind of get those butterflies out of your stomach that. and go do that. Yeah, it, it gets weird. But I mean, at the same time, I think that there's value to both. I think sometimes there's value to understand if you are able to actually take your mind off of it, go and do it and be okay. Or yeah. if you need to understand when you need to go seek you, help. Exactly. At yeah. what level do you do which thing? And this is a longer community state. Cause I do think it deserved it. And a lot of these things that we've already talked about have been mirrored through things like Vince was talking about howdy Vince. Howdy. Um, but yeah, you, don't you know, say howdy I do. It's me. <laughs> fine but anyway these are things that have been mirrored i'm gonna do one more because i think it's uh, an interesting thing that we've we talked about to an okay. extent we'll have to speed through the news, uh, and <laughs> then we're gonna go through past that so the last one we're gonna do is from one of our patrons mr uh, rude cold sean he My says boy sean I think movies age certification has changed over the years movies with a lot of violence sex and bad language was ways i think was always an 18 when i was younger but now a lot of them uh is a lot of what was deemed 18 is now a 15 unless it has a graphic sex scene. Also, young people have much easier access to violent videos with being online more. There was no way I could have downloaded or watched many videos oh. online before broadband, and it's now all accessible much easier through phones. Technology is definitely at an impact. And I think we're going to end it on that because it comes down to a lot of things of that, yes, technology is probably more of the root cause of this than anything. When these things happen, I think a lot of it does come down to the furor that technology can instill in people, the fact that technology can mislead people and get them to believe things um, because they're easily manipulated, things like that. Uh, people who are very impressionable and go online and find somebody they like and then suck those ideas up and use them on their own. Uh, and you just see a lot of things happen when you read these manifestos and things as well where it's there's obviously somebody had a big impact on these people and the technology is one of those things sometimes i think technology addiction has a, a a play into some of these things and how people will act violent and we know that because of the fact that just like any other form of withdrawal you can see people who have not been on their phones start to act more agitated and more violent and lead more towards violent tendencies because of these things and addiction to phone use too. exactly and then i think the last thing is is that like he said the technology allows these things to change at such a pace. And when you're talking about gaming, it's more than just the technology showing it more real than ever or giving you more and more ways like VR to enact them yourself. But also the fact that it gives you different aspects of online. Now you're doing it with other people. Now you're actually killing people. And when you're killing this other person, they have a name, they have a voice, they have all these things you can go to. Maybe that somehow plays into why some people when not taught white right can have more of a problem separating reality from you know fantasy and i think all these things come together to show that even though the studies that were have been done and i don't know how often they're done this is a point of ignorance for me um we know for a fact that after Columbine happened here, there was a lot of studies that went into music, media, games, all those things. And at the time, they were found to not really have any kind of a major impact. And as far as they could tell, they had no impact uh, on, on violent tendencies and violence. But as these things have gone on, I don't know if these 
I don't know if these studies have continued to be done every couple of years to keep up with how technology changes these things and understand what's there. Uh, But I think it's, if nothing else, this has been a conversation that has taught me that more and more conversation in these types of things is always better because I think a lot of people brought up things that did not immediately strike me that I agree with a, a lot. Yeah. And then some of them were just in more in-depth versions of things that we were trying to say but maybe clumsily landed on. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate and all that. I, what I wish is that I wish we had the time to sit here and talk about like all the ins and outs. We're going to miss subjects of a topic every now and then just because with time constraints and stuff like that. Um and I know the person that pointed this out to you didn't intend to make it sound like we were downplaying anything or anything no. like that. And I can, um, I mean, I don't even show you the stuff. It was just, I no, get where he's coming show, from. You don't yeah. got to show me anything. But I'm, I, I'm just, if you think that we didn't expound on something well, just know that it's not, we might not be knowledgeable of it. We might be talking about something that we don't have all the answers to. We may be talking about something we just learned about. So, you know, everybody feel free to jump in and correct us or to teach us things that we're talking about, or even just to give your opinion on the subject and how you, th- you may think our opinion uh, could differ or how you may be able to change our opinion because of your differing opinion. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, a podcast. Exactly. it's open for discussion. Everything is. All right. Well, here we are. We're going to go ahead and go into news, but thank you to everyone yes, who gave you. such we an have, overwhelming um, response. Yes. There are so many responses. Thank you all for that. That's the most we've ever gotten for community's take ever. We got and more in community's take than we have the last two reader mails combined. Yes. That was a lot, but I also think it was the perfect subject to, I understand why people had such a passion to do so. And I'm glad, I mean, yeah. that's ultimately what this show about is giving us more life experience through other people's opinions, but also us sharing the things that we know. And like Saul said, sometimes we're ignorant because we, and we know we're ignorant, but we still try and talk about it the best we can sometimes we're ignorant and we don't know we're ignorant and that's everybody and some, you just yeah, go through it sometimes we can't get everything out because of time constraints but here we go news going mr first thing up is bioware the long-running team behind most recently anthem as i've already talked about on this episode because i love the game has had two high profile departures from the company a matter of days apart firstly ben irving the lead producer on anthem has announced his departure just days after the long delayed cataclysm event finally saw release but assuring the game had a bright future behind him is fernando milo Melo. i don't know how to say that i'm gonna say milo lead producer on the upcoming dragon age 4 uh, has also announced his departure and leaving with equally high praise for the project he is leaving calling it, quote, the definitive Dragon Age experience, end quote. I think that this is interesting because this can be seen in two different ways. Why would he leave? Well, it's a little different. You can see why somebody who's done with a project like Anthem can kind of go. Uh, and and even something like no, Cataclysm. No, well, Bellow specifically. Yeah, Bello. yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, he, he went into, he didn't Especially go into it as much. calling it that as he left. Because mm-hmm. his job's not done. Because yeah. it's making headlines. Yeah. So, but... It, of course, I guess it's good though that you're not trashing the company. You just or the and, game. and that gets weird, right? Is how many people are going to view this as HR's talk and just our PR talk, just saying, "Hey, you know, we're just being nice and giving niceties for the company that's employed us for all these years." Uh, he wasn't EA. as forthcoming about what he had coming up, whereas Ben Irving, when he was leaving, specifically said that he got a great opportunity at another company to do essentially what he was already doing. Um, so that's understandable. Now that that could mean that he sees Bioware being as a sinking ship, and that's what I'm worried about. Is people are going to view this as Bioware being a sinking ship. We already know that Bioware have had issues. We've heard from different, you know, reports from people in Kotaku and other reports. And of course, we've seen the products come out with uh, games like Mass Effect Andromeda not being what people would have expected from them. Anthem not launching quite to what people expected either. So, of course, there's issues there. And I think it's real easy to people jump on the sinking ship narrative of these are people that are trying to get out before the whole thing topples over. Yeah. But it very well also could be someone who got a better offer 
feels like he's done everything he could stayed with the company through cataclysm event coming out which is one this is going to be one of the make or break moments for anthem as it continues to go through so he may just feel like his job is done and he's leaving it in good enough hands the milo one's a little different he doesn't go he's not as forthcoming with what he has going on he just says he has some he's been looking to disconnect for a while and has some other creative ideas he wants to go through so he might be someone who's wanting to try his mind at creativity outside of gaming it's hard to say uh but either way I, I wish them good luck, and I wish the products, of course, they were behind good luck. I love Anthem. I want to see the game do well. I hope that these updates are what people want from it outside of just me. Uh, and Dragon Age is a series that I'm very hit or miss on. I liked one a lot. Two had great combat. Didn't care for it past that. Inquisition just didn't rest with me real uh, well. But, of course, I hope it does well. So, across the board, I'm going to be optimistic on this and say that Bioware, of course, has some problems that need to be fixed. Some of those problems could have come from these people being in the company for 12 years. So yeah. as much as I don't want to, I'm not trying to speak negatively of them, them leaving could be a blessing in disguise. And that's what I'm going to leave it at. Uh, next up, though, despite its age, it appears Diablo 3 is far from dead, with Blizzard recently releasing a post confirming continued support for the foreseeable future. The post goes on to talk about the popularity of themed seasons and that more are on the way, stating that season 16, the most recent season that actually completed and ended, we're on 17 right now, was just as popular as season 11, which was back when the Necromancer released. So it is very, it's crazy to see season 16 with no new content release necessarily is doing just as well as back when necromancer was released uh, alongside these blizzard asserts that a new set for each class is being made as well as dozens of new legendary powers to keep the game fresh for current players and draw back lapsed players um the biggest takeaway from this for me is that it's surprising uh, not overly surprising but it does show me that diablo 4 might be further away than we already thought you know, we got the backlash whenever Diablo Immortal was announced. Um, or I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they were talking that Diablo 4 is still being made and there's talks and stuff going on. We'll see. We don't know to what level. When they said that, that could have just been the games just now entering production. And, you know, there's no way to tell on this, but at least it means for now the people that want more Diablo at least have something with Diablo 3. Um, because I'm very... I, I, I was surprised when I first opened it. I was... I, when I was reading the article, when I first went to click it, because it just the title was like uh, Diablo Three uh, support moving forward, and I was like, "Oh, they're about to start announcing that support's going to wane down as they close down this chapter of the game." Uh, and instead, it was the complete opposite of that. So this is not a bad thing yeah. at all. If you've been in the market for a new DualShock Four, Sony has announced four new colorways to choose from starting this fall: electric purple red camouflage titanium blue and rose gold controllers will be available in september while the rose gold color line will also be extended into the gold headset lineup later this year in november so if you want to look fancy go ahead and do it you could do that to your controller too which is actually pretty dope looking what is that this guy sprayed on um it's like cement texture or like sidewalk texture spray sure onto it and he says it's like, you can get those in a spray can yeah, yeah he says like really gritty and it looks i mean that's kind of like a spray. it looks cool yeah, yeah it's like something you can't really mess up I'm actually kind of disappointed. Because it's it. almost going to be more unique. If Even if you do mess up, it's just going to give your controller a different color in a weird spot or a different texture. Yeah, yeah. it's stone-colored and texturized spray paint. So yeah. it's it's really cool looking. I'm really disappointed at Sony and their lack of really nice controllers. <laughs> i got to give them this. I'm proud of them for announcing. This is, this is like, like over all, 25 colors now. This is all ugly controllers. I don't control, care for them colors. either. Yeah, uh, but I will say this. These four have they, there's a common thread that you can see in the design of each. It's like yeah. they're all going through a color line. So they've done this before where they do waves of controllers that all the designs make sense within the context of all of them releasing at the same time. And there'll be some time. 
and then they'll release a new wave. Make and a, this wave makes sense. Teal and gray controller. I just don't care for it at all. Yeah, make a teal and gray controller. Xbox did it right. Do it, Sony. <laughs> well, either way, I think I would like to see something that I, you know, we always talk about things that we'd like to, you know, we talk about things that we like from the competition that we'd like to see uh, Sony copy or vice versa that we think that Sony's doing better. This is one of the clear areas where I really think Sony's missing a lot by not offering a more deep, uh, a, a more deep customization version for DualShock 4, like the Xbox Controller Labs or whatever it's called, the Xbox ID Labs. Yeah, uh, I think it's a, f- a great idea, and of course, they charge more for the controllers, so when you, can, when you make them the way that you want them to look, that you immediately see them. And I'm not a huge fan of Gears, but like... No, but it's a good-looking console. Dude, and the controller. Yeah. And like... They I, always do a good job, man. Yeah. They really do. I, and the system... But that's what it comes down to, is that if you're not going to come out with things on your own that are a little bit more fancy and involved for people to really get into... Get like a um, good third party that you license with to do it. Maybe. I don't even say that. I think that Sony's in a position where they can obviously afford to just let people build their own controllers for a price. Yeah, You I can know. do it on Scuff. Why can't I do it on... Sony? And yeah. that's one of those weird things where I think Sony's on- missing out on profit that could be made by letting people design their own controllers for a hundred bucks and then send them to them. You know, I'd pay $30 extra to have a controller. That's exactly how I wanted it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, there's one we can up. lead into with the main topic. Just a couple down. Yeah. Well, there's okay. a, well, there's a couple that we can lead in, oh, okay. but yeah, we'll do it that way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's see. I've got lost. Oh, PSVR continues to get great software support with witching tower VR coming to the system this fall. The game sees players take on the role of Anna, a prisoner in the tower who discovers she has the power to control the dead in this full blown VR action adventure title. The game actually looks pretty good. Uh, It's one of those interesting things where instead of going with a crazy big world, instead it's a full fledged game that moves through levels and segments. Uh, But a lot of the stuff I really liked. So it was small stuff like being able to choose how you want to use your powers. If you want to like summon a sword, summon a bow, like a, a, or if you wanted to literally take control of dead enemies and have them fight the other things. I thought that was a great idea. There's smaller things where if you want to go through, you can actually sit there and take ingredients and put them in a bowl and pestle and mortar them out. Like the move it's a great idea. And it's I like that this is not... We're, we're so far into the PSVR now that I'm glad... One of the biggest things they wanted to say on here is that this is not an experience. Uh, you know, this is not some short one hour experience. This is a full game and this is the kind of stuff I want to get into. Yeah. One of the one of the great full games for PS Move, despite the fact that it didn't get nearly as long as support as it probably could have done if Sony really wanted to. One of the best games was a game called Sorcery and I love the game. It was the best use of the Move controllers I've That's ever seen. That's a weird way to say Office Simulator. <laughs> but this was, of course, on the PS3 in a very different setup. But this is going towards that idea of how do you take ideas of games that are going to fit more with this type of technology and do them in ways that have you unique things that you couldn't otherwise get and i think this is the best way to do it so this is cool if you have any kind of idea if you want to see this more in action you can go check out these screenshots right now and and the game is apparently close to being done so they'll probably be putting out a full-on trailer here soon but if that sounds interesting you at all go check it out um, while we're on the topic of VR, Firewall Zero Hours, new season of content started this week, featuring new equipment such as instant smoke and motion sensors, two new maps, two new contractors, new weapons, and more. Uh, I'm proud to see this game. One of the main reasons I constantly try and cover it is that it's a game that I really do enjoy and I love, uh, but it's also, to me, it's showing that it is going to be VR's first Rainbow Six and Call of Duty, this more involved, higher con- uh, higher quality, something that constantly gets supported with seasons and stuff. And so I, w- I really want to say more about Rainbow. This is like VR's Rainbow, and I've said that not only from the fact that it's obviously inspired by Rainbow, but it's the fact that I think it's done the smart thing of looking at VR as a platform that can also do some of these games as a service ideas. And this is all free. You can get all of this just within the game the way you want, or you can pay $10 and unlock these things early. And I think that's an awesome 
dumb idea. So, so if you played this at all yet? Nope. Yeah, one of these days, if you if you just have kind of time. some time to go, I think that you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I kind of want to play it, but I just um, but time. yeah, all that, and of course, it's not you wouldn't be playing it on your okay, own. So thing. let me just break from away from PlayStation real quick. Just ask a question since it's on my mind. Uh, Corey's coming in the two weeks from now, or no, a week one week from yeah, now. next weekend. Yeah, he's uh, coming in Friday. As far as I've been, that's what I was going to ask you. Okay, so we could probably chill Friday if you don't have plans. I'm good. Okay, cool. We do it then. Then cool. So kind of on PlayStation topic, we're making plans to play Firewall. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to get them stretched real quick though. Going back to PlayStation, back. even though we were already on it, uh, PlayStation's Predator Hunting Ground. Make sure I'm on the right thing. Uh, the game, okay. Actually, this goes into being able to segue into the main topic. One of the things that we were looking through at with all the news going on this week and kind of slow is we have Gamescom coming up. So next week is going to be a major. <laughs> Saul just whispered uh, saucily into my ear. Yeah, you heard me. I, I did not hear what you said. Final weapon. Final weapon. Oh yeah. Hey, if you want to go check out the news, go to Final Jesus Weapon. Christ. Hey, either way, I'm glad Saul said something about it. I've been saying that I want to start doing it to cap the news off with. But yeah, if you want to, anything outside of PlayStation, if you want PlayStation news, you can get it from there. Some, But if you also want to go across all the other people, if you want to look at Switch news, Xbox news, go over to FinalWeapon.net. You can find all the cool stuff over there uh, and support some good guys and their hard work. Yes, sir. But here we are moving finally into the main topic um, that Saul so graciously landed on. But I think it's a good topic. Yeah, um, me too. The first thing we're going to do to kind of segue ourselves into it is the fact that Gamescom is, of course, happening. And one of the things that we know for Honestly, sure is happening. I was going to say, I wouldn't go into all of this. We can kind of just talk about it. It's going to, by yeah. the time they watch the episode, though. I'm talking about the news. I'm with you. Of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you, yeah like, what, like what's going on in here? Yeah. Because I, didn't, I just thought of that is that by the time this comes out, Gamescom will be one hour away. I, yes. And I'm sure that there are people who are already going to hear about this stuff by the time they watch the episode. Yeah. So one of the things I guess we'll say is that what we're going to do is essentially all the stuff that we have compiled of information that we have about it, as well as other stuff I think Saul has got pulled up, uh, is we're going to sit there and look. You know, I don't have nothing pulled okay, up. Okay. Well, it, it, we know for the most part <laughs> about what's going to happen at Gamescom. I can pull up Jeff's tweet. Yeah, you can. Uh, but across the board, we know for the most part what's going to happen at Gamescom. Uh, and we know some of its new things. We know that THQ Nordic have talked about three unannounced games that, of course, by the time that you watch this, we'll probably know a little bit more about uh, but all this is going on with uh the event that they have going on there which is uh opening night live which is hosted by jeff keighley um of the game awards you know i just not realized like, last i don't year. know how you say it's his name keighley keighley i thought it was keighley but i could keighley. be keighley i used to thought it was jeff knightley for some reason like i guess just i gla- i never paid attention to his name i just glanced brother at of kira knightley. knightley yeah like it made sense <laughs> also what all is this man in charge of now the game awards and gamescom well see what i noticed is that if you remember too he's had some pre-shows that were e3 too he had an e3 yeah. pre-show essentially he's just gotten himself to be well, he's synonymous a, he's a fantastic with dude pre-shows and i stuff. love his personality he's like, he's one of my favorite hostest of things I'm, I'm okay with him I don't just love him or hate him but I love him. He, he's doing exactly he's the Ryan Seacrest of gaming he's, he's, yeah. he's essentially just meant to be the guy who doesn't do a whole lot he just kind of puts a good positive well, attitude well, out the, there the, and great, the great thing about him is he has good partnerships with people like he, he him, and, him and Kojima like are bestest of friends this is what I'll say very similar to how I feel about Ryan Seacrest sometimes is how I feel about Jeff Keighley sometimes I feel like he's just putting on the face and being positive about something that he really doesn't care that much about or maybe he well he has to some, yeah exactly and that's what I mean is that it's a hard job to do where some people are not going to be like, well, sometimes he's fake. And it's just part of it. But I overall, I, I deal with him. He's fine. I like him enough. And I think he does a good job at what he's meant nope. to do. Uh, but anyway, 
Uh, one of the things we know for sure, and I think this is something that I'm actually curious to see if you're excited about or not, Saul, is that one of the biggest things that came out of this, and it's not surprising for anybody who's followed Game Awards or any of this stuff, is that Jeff Keighley, Keighley, whatever it is, and Hideo Kojima have got kind of like a bromance joke thing going on. Yeah. And uh, Kojima will be at this opening night live and is going to be showing off new previews for Death Stranding. So for you, Saul, because the game is still such a mystery, are you okay with seeing more of it like this? Because of the fact that I'm even pretty sure that even with what they're showing, the game is still going to feel so mysterious. I have a, I have a, or do you want to avoid it? Well, I have a theory on what it's going to be, and I'm fine with it because it's just going to be another character reveal. Oh, okay. It's going to be another very, I want to say, very mysterious character reveal is what it's going to be. And so that for we're not gonna we're not really gonna find anything else out about it. Well, you know we got a lot of character reveals in that in that Twitch stream that it revealed the date. Yeah. So it's kind of so. What do you think it'll be? Well, like a not, reveal or a more really in a, depth a reveal? Yeah, a more in depth look at the characters. And I'm somewhat fine with that for the most part. Well, because we've kind of seen that already, right? So I'm I'm assuming that you're doing this from a uh, from a the history will repeat itself. So like we saw one of the first things they did first trailer, they talked about, okay, it's like, well, we know it's a game. We know it's Hideo Kojima. First trailer shows Norman Reedus coming back. Right. Right. It's like, ah, and then we see Norman Reedus on stage. Yeah. It's like, okay. Then what we see is the next trailer. We see Mads Mikkelsen's character. Yeah. Then we see Mad Mikkelsen. And it's like, okay, what they're doing is giving new bits of information about the game while also going more into depth about who this character yeah. is and what they may play I, a part. I in. think that's what this one will be. I think it's going to follow the footsteps and it maybe we'll go back more so into Troy Baker's character, which I'm fine with because I know Kojima being Kojima is not going to give you too much. He'll never give you too much per of se. anything, and yeah, because yeah, we've seen that. He'll as give you too little of anything. The long running, if he gives you too much information, be prepared for a ruse cruise. Yeah, you know, if it's like, you, if, like it, it, it's man. Just watch the boys. That's all I gotta say. I really need to watch it. That's because uh, you, you said ruse cruise. Yes. That made me think of that. But yeah, like you, uh, like I, that's what I think is gonna happen. I think that we're gonna get a lead on to another character's motivations, and maybe even a new, brand new character reveal. I don't really know. But that is my most excited thing here. There is something else in here that I am somewhat more excited or excited for as well, mm-hmm. which is the Destiny 2 Shadowkeep reveal. We've already seen it. We've seen, uh, as this week has gone by, Bungie has released uh, stuff called Director's Cuts, and it's part one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And they're going about uh, addressing stuff that's going on in the game and how it's changing for Shadowkeep and how things are going to work. And I'm really kind of curious as to see what else we're going to get. What's weird about this is that by nature of what Destiny 2 is doing, and I actually don't know if Destiny 2 is going to be at Gamescom at all. That was just the news being slightly out of order just because of the way I typed it up. Uh, but no, you know, it's, it's, it's here. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's at Gamescom. Good. Well, either way, Calm. one of the things that gets weird about Shadowkeep is that Shadowkeep almost feels like more of an actual sequel than Destiny 2 to the Destiny 1. But at the same time, not because most of what Shadowkeep is doing is bringing things back from Destiny 1 that people really wanted, while also expanding on some new areas, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm excited to see Destiny 2 more of it, but we've seen it all week. We've got a really long, in-depth stream uh, that, that introduced transmogrification, which if you don't know what that is... That's right! Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. It's just essentially, if you don't know what transmogging is, as it's shortened uh, for, it's essentially where you keep one item and you keep its stats, but then you can choose the cosmetic look of it based off other stuff. Now, right now, we know that it's going to be limited to Eververse items uh, and seasonal gear, such as like the Dawning event uh, gear and like the most recent, the Solstice event gear. Yeah. Um, 
So stuff like that. Uh, there's talks about how mods have been reworked, new items that are going to be required to fully masterwork armor pieces. Uh, there's a whole lot more stuff going on in Shadowkeep. That was one of the big things we saw in the Armor 2.0 stream. But against all it goes to show is that Destiny, at least separate from Activision, they're trying to prove that they have a lot of stuff going on. Now, whether you like it or not, this is a big change to the game. Yeah, And it, it just feels almost to me... I can't remember a time in, in Destiny 1... I feel like, okay, we, we constantly call it the Forsaken moment that matches in with like the, the Taken King moment where the game changed in a lot of ways, but also in a way that felt more like this is the defining of what Destiny 1 will be remembered as. And right. you know that because most people, when they talk about Destiny 1, have a lot of fond memories about, around the whole Taken King side. Yeah, that's the best And I feel like Destiny as 1. you continue to go through Destiny 2... All of the scuttlebutt, as we're going to call it, <laughs> all of the talk came back to Destiny 2 in a real way and people talking about it in a positive way, including me yeah. uh, as a lapsed player who came back when Forsaken hit. So I feel like we've already had that moment where Forsaken is going to be really what defined Destiny 2 up until now. And just like Taken King was what defined Destiny 1, but Shadowkeep may dethrone that because it's doing so much that it almost feels like in a weird way, Destiny 3. Now, whether or not that's up to them and that's what their intention was, or if this is just them trying to put all the things in that they wanted to do that Activision was choking off, those are things we'll probably never know. But it's interesting to see. Um, so I'm glad it's going to be there. If you haven't looked too much on Shadowkeep, but you've ever liked Destiny, I would say now's the time to look in. If you didn't care for Destiny 2, a lot of what Shadow Keeps doing is changing things back to Destiny 1. You're getting more stats involved, all the stats that left in Destiny 2. Um, they pared down are going to be reintroduced in. They're doing things like transmogging uh, and changing the way the armor is going to work entirely. Uh, you have essentially with the way that they're doing some of the mods and saw so you could probably, I, I've watched I haven't sectionally. Watched, no, you, I haven't. You didn't watch it. I'm kind of, I'm really kind of out of the loop on it because once again, the destiny burnout is kind of real. Yeah. So, so I, even looking at the content, even just looking at the con, I kind of want to go in and either, a uh, week before Shadow Keep comes out, kind of go through and watch all these and yeah. kind of learn what's going on. Or, to build your hype right before release? Wanna, yeah, or I just want to go into it blind. I got you. Uh, well, you know what? There's a couple of things that we didn't get to, but I don't From care. Soft. We're already here. And the biggest thing is, what is From Software doing? And I guess for you, is it, are we going to get a leak? No. Well, Elden Ring leak. Yeah, that's what I mean. They, you, they keep saying behind closed doors, but both Dark Souls 3 and Sekiro had Game Boy reveals at, game, at Gamescom in 2018 and 2016. Seven, 15? I thought Sekiro got its uh, gameplay reveal at E3. I'm actually fairly positive it did. No, I don't think so. But I could be wrong. I mean, or the Game Awards, rather. Sorry. No, the Game Awards was the... was the Initial cheesy. Yeah, the one where it showed the You're arm right. clicking. You're and right. Then, and then uh, uh, Gamescom was the very first world reveal of gameplay last year. And then Microsoft got it at... Well, you might be right. Shadows Die Twice official gameplay, Gamescom 2018. Okay. Well, then maybe what it was was that Microsoft got the trailer. That's right. Okay. So we're. But we're, we didn't get gameplay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we got the trailer. We of got teaser trailer. Sekiro at E3, but then we got the gameplay at Gamescom. Yeah. So we, got, we may get to see what Elden Ring is. That's what I'm really excited for, but no hopes because it's supposedly behind closed doors, which would be the first year they've ever done it, which I don't know if I trust. That yeah. might be a surprise thing that we may see. One will, thing that I think me and you are a little different on, but I am curious to see, I'm assuming, and this is only going to be covered here because we've already, it's going to be, by the time you watch this, if you didn't know, you're going to know. Uh, but yeah. did you see the Need for Speed Heat reveal? 
what was the thing that cop shouted out that was so terrible? Oh, dude, I don't remember. <laughs> Yo, dude, there's like a specific part in that trailer, like where a cop says something, like stop and get down, or he yells it. Dude, it is the worst voice acting I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Worse than Titus's, yes, Titus, not Titus. Worse than his laugh. I, like I'm telling you, dude, no game in 2019 should have that. It, I would not be surprised if that gets changed. To be dead honest with you, there's that, but I'm also not. Oh, it the looks game good, comes though. out in November. It so looks good, but I'm. I'm it comes out November eighth. Now here, here's what's weird. All we got was a trailer. So what the trailer introduced for us, in case you didn't know, but you probably see it by now, is we have a fictitious city like they always do. Palm City is what it is. It seems Looks like, like it's Florida. based around Florida. Um, the setup is going to be a little different to where during the day you're actually doing sanctioned real races uh, that you get for money and upgrades. That's it. what you're going to do there is that money to upgrade your cars and buy new cars. And then when nighttime rolls around, at night you're going to be underground street racing. And that's when cops are going to be involved. And then if they catch you, then of course you get busted. Uh, and it seems like more so than ever, they're trying to chase that beloved cop chase days that were prominent and most wanted in Carbon. They talked about that since the reboot they hit in 2015. Uh, and I don't think it's terrible. It's, it's obviously a great idea, and they've had mixed success across the board. And I hope if this is the third time the charm with they're trying these different things and sticking, that this is what we're going to get. I'm excited to see more of it because one of the things I want the gameplay to confirm for me is that the, some of the actually good parts of Payback are going to stay in. So did, you didn't play Payback at all, right? No. Did you play the Need for Speed 2015 reboot? Or did, you, or did you even care? It was the no. one that brought in live action, and it was kind of like, I don't know how to even describe it. It was like as close as you were going to get to like the idea of Carbon and Underground 3 having a baby because Underground didn't have live action stuff necessarily. Right. But Carbon and Most Wanted did. That was stylized I don't like live, action. live action stuff. But then again, this is CGI for what... That part, dude, is terrible. Yeah. It sounds like he's. A, he sounds like he's in a skillet song. <laughs> the way he says, "I said right now." To me, dude, if I'm being honest, that sounds like a cop to me. Cops speak in weird ways because it's. it's that was rhythmatic. That sounds like dad gent. <laughs> I get knocked down. There you go. <laughs> Man, I wish I could video. I was creative. And I could edit a video because I sure would edit that into a video. I mean, I can edit videos, but with mild effects one of the biggest things and i think that you'd agree and i think i talked to you about it in payback that was annoying was that you had uh, to upgrade it the because of the way they introduced loot boxes into the game loot boxes permeated all the way through to the upgrade system so what would happen is when you go to the upgrade system you had to go to a store and buy these cards that would roll and spin and all these different <laughs> crap and you'd get free ones at the end of races and stuff but it looks like one of the things that they said and this is something we've seen across the board is that the game will never have loot boxes ever. This has been a recurring thing at EA games at this point. We saw it with Anthem. They said no no uh, um, loot boxes. Uh, and we saw it with um, Battlefield 5, no loot boxes. Now we're seeing it here with uh, Need for Speed. I don't know if this is EA trying to course correct. And because of that, I don't know if we're going to eventually end up seeing them anyway. We heard Respawn say that they never really do loot boxes in the same way, but then we saw recently this new yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a big thing with Apex Legends going on right now. Apex yeah. is getting the heat. Yeah. Anyway, couldn't even speak uh, heat. <laughs> anyway. That was really unintentional. Uh, but, you know... I'm hoping that what this means is that because of the fact that they're moving away from loot boxes, that that means we go back to a traditional upgrade system where you win, you see the money, you know what part you're getting, you upgrade it. None of this random spinning and hoping the store has stuff that you need in. You go to a store, they've got the upgrades, and it goes to a traditional upgrade tier. I really like Need for Speed. Uh, not all of them. They've been to mixed success. The last two have had great parts. Uh, I think that the way they did chasing in the last game, though it wasn't cops, it was like, 
mobster people that were involved. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, but the takedown system was great. Uh, and I hope that they keep that in and mix it somewhat with how the cops did work in the 2015 reboot, but to a larger scale and kind of bring back the golden days of what I think Carbon did really well. And of course, Most Wanted did as well. I consider Carbon and Most Wanted to be like the same breath of thought because it's really what they are. They were a year apart from each other and sequels to each other. Um, so Heat is your most anticipated reveal, I guess, or that's what you're looking forward to the it, most? It gets weird where it comes down to what it is. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe not the most, but a lot because of the fact that I think a, the whole thing about Ghost Games, they came into Rivals, but Rivals was a cross-gen game, and it was kind of their first tell. So people kind of just didn't worry about it. But now that they're doing this reboot thing, one of the things that's going to happen with reboots is that you're going to have great ideas, and sometimes you're going to have poor ideas. Some of the poor ideas have permeated through, but you've still had okay games throughout the, the poor. I enjoyed 2015 game heavily. That was one that used cards, right? Like as that cards. wasn't the that wasn't the card one. That was payback. That was 2017's okay. one. That was the second one. So it's like for all the step forwards they did with the 2015 version, 2017 version took some steps back, but also added some great things. So what I'm hoping is that for a lot of people, I feel like this is the third time's a charm, or I'm done with them moment. And since Ghost Games is now at the head of this, did they really need to show well here? Not only for me because I want to get the game because I because racing games are just not nearly as often as they used to be. Yeah, and I'm glad that they did the one thing that everyone wanted when Criterion was doing it. They took away customization completely. The all three of these games have made sure that car customization is front and center. There's a lot of goodwill instilled in them, but this is their moment to capitalize and show that, hey, even if you think that Florida's kind of weird and the setting may be a little weird, across the board, this is the game you've always wanted. We're going to have great car customization, good racing, a cool map. Where even if you don't care for the idea, it's going to be a fun thing to race on, and we're going to introduce cop car chases in the way that you remember them even better for the first time realistically, and this is what they could do. So did either one of those previous two games make you... Did they have anything involving loot boxes in them that was prominent, or was the it? second one was yeah. So payback is the thing that loot boxes is what permeated down into the upgrade system gotcha. with cards. That's what I thought. I and it was hearing. all based around loot boxes because you could buy more of those cards and spin through these things. But it was it was EA. the only time I've ever played a racing game where the rest of the game was really fun and the story. The car was, customization and, was the worst part of. Well, the car customization itself was fine. It was only the performance. Yeah. So it was only on like. If you're trying to upgrade your uh, your RAM, uh, RAM, your NOS. <laughs> cars use RAM now? Yeah, cars use RAM. Well, I guess the Teslas. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it was like if you were trying to make a car faster for whatever reason, if you wanted to change out your intake or something like that, it was all card-based. Now, what got weird about it is it kind of introduced weird gamey things that you wouldn't expect to see. Oh, was Mr. Narwhal not even in frame? Not at all. Uh, well, there he goes, Mr. Narwhal. I got him for $8, and I love him. <laughs> but, yeah, it's Need for Speed has got a lot that it can really prove. What was weird about that is like very similar to what Anthem's doing right now and adding a really gamified thing in where when you're going through the Cataclysm, you get a score that you can build up on, which is actually a great idea. One of the cool things about this idea of the card system, as dumb as it was, was that all the parts had different manufacturers that made them. And if you had your whole car decked out with multiples Excuse of them, me. you'd get benefits from having stacks. Kind of like when you're in an RPG and if you have one set of armor and the whole where the armor all is in the same set then you get a set bonus so is that like is that is that a mechanic to make you want to 
buy more performance I don't parts? know why it was in there, but at least it gave there a reason. Not knowing anything about the game, that tells me, like, if I buy more performance parts, I'm more likely to have a better stack boost. Essentially. It's a way for you to burn through money. Now, whether you want to do that by actually racing and earning money, it wasn't bad. Unlike my experience that I had with, it was just dumb. That's what it felt like to me. Because unlike my experience that I had with, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where I felt I like... I going to say Shadow of War. No. I actually didn't have any problems with that game either. You keep saying that, but they changed it after you got, you got done with it. They made it work, like, less well, maybe, they, maybe they the did. Complaints. Maybe they did. I don't know. I, I actually might go back and play but that I game didn't. Because that's all I'm there were so many complaints of it being grindy at the end game that they went back and at least well, they now, changed it. But that it. was also just for the true ending. And I think any game, if they want to make it grindy for the true ending, that's up to you. Don't put true ending in quotations if it's the canon ending. Well, well that's, see, but that's, that's kind of like uh, if you wanted to play Arkham Knight, technically you had to do a bunch of crazy grindy stuff to get to the ending. Yeah, that, where, that was dumb too. Yeah, but it's something that I see in the games often and enough I didn't that buy I'm okay Knight. with it. I you know what I mean? Knight at, at launch. Yeah, so, but my point being is that I don't really consider that to be a big problem. But here, it didn't feel like it was an issue like it was in Assassin's Creed Odyssey where I felt like the game was purposely not giving me enough experience so that I would buy the experience boost. Instead, it was like, well, if I want to do races, I get money pretty fast, and I can buy these as much as I want to. It's just because of the random nature of what you're going to land on when you go to buy something. It was kind of annoying. So, And you had to wait for the, the, the store to replenish stock if you wanted to try and get something different. Or you could take cards that you dismantled and spin them to try and get a random one of your own. It was a weird setup, but I am excited for Need for Speed as someone who really loves racing games. And definitely, I do like Gran Turismo and I do like the sim stuff. And I really wish I had a steering wheel setup where I'd play that more often and I had more time. One of the things I like about these arcade racing games is you can hop in and out and not feel like you're having to get in this zone to play it. And that's the problem I have with Gran Turismo is I always feel like I have to get in a zone that I seldom have time for anymore. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, but it, past that for you, I mean, is there anything that's big that you see on the list that comes out? No, not really. With the nature of these events, what I'm always kind of excited to do or see is any potential surprises we get. That's more like it's the same with E3. We always have a, an inkling of a thought of what we'll see at E3 and what we kind of ha- know in the back of our minds we'll, we'll see. But um, at the same time, it's the surprises you get. You know, That's what I'm really excited about is maybe Elden Ring is a surprise, but I'm not going overboard with thinking that to get my hopes up. But yeah, like real, realistically, Death Stranding, maybe maybe what they've showed in Director's Cut of Shadowkeep is more digestible in like a six-minute video or whatever they may do. Mm-hmm. Because all these videos, I think, have been like 30 minutes long. So, like, it's an hour and a half worth of stuff on Shadowkeep they've released. Yeah. And feeling kind of burnt out about it. You know, it's one of those things of, like, I don't want to watch an hour and a half of something I'm kind of burnt out about. But six minutes is more digestible for sure. And still gets your point across. Yeah, and still gets your point across and still lets me know what's going on. But other than that, like, they say Google Stadia is there. I'm kind of curious about if that will be a stage thing because... Um, I'm curious as to see what it will do on that Wi-Fi. We already saw it perform pretty poorly on Google's Wi-Fi. This isn't... For whatever was going on? Yeah. yeah. For, well, it's Assassin's Creed. Well, what I mean is, like, we don't understand completely the internet connection situation there. Well, yeah. The but, easy excuse is that multiple people were connected to that Wi-Fi, but then why did you not have isolated of, Wi-Fi yeah, for something that you're trying to show off? dedicated network for that. But, yeah. So, like, I'm curious as to see if that's even better, or maybe if they do bring dedicated network or something. It's not hard, Google. You could technically bring a hotspot with you, couldn't you? And it's, okay, here's the thing. Well, a hotspot gets weird because it's based around cell signal. And cell signal can get messed up when you have a ton of people in a room. Now, you can ask I the people in the true. room to put all their devices on airplane mode. Like Nobody's going to do that. You know the infamous time where... Uh, uh, <laughs> 
whenever he was still alive, of course. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs yeah. told everybody to turn their phones off or turn their Wi-Fi off on their phone or something so he could show. Some, something messed up. And it he was said, FaceTime, if I remember. Yeah, it right. was FaceTime, and it messed up because everybody was connected to it uh, in that area. And then he told him to, to turn everybody turn it off, and it worked. What was funny it is that worked. yeah, what was funny is that everybody thought it was a joke at first. He was like, "I'm serious." Yeah, and it, it actually worked. But yeah, so, yeah, they could have done that, but I'm I'm assuming they probably didn't because what you'd really I want to see a speed test done. I want them to use both Google and then uh, what is it, Ukula or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. like the actual speedtest.net website. Um, I want to see them use those too. Show me that they're running at 100 megabits per second or something. Well, here's the weirder thing is that speed speed test is one thing, but speed test doesn't completely go into how much bandwidth you have. Right, but it's still, they, so, but what yeah, they said was 100 megabits down and I'm getting 4K 60 frames. I don't believe that. Actually, mm-hmm. I think they said like 30 down and I'm getting that. Well, perfect tie into that, right, is PlayStation Now. PlayStation Now says that you can get a playable signal and that's what they consider their bare minimum is five megabytes per second. Dude, no. On five megabits a Dude, second, I could not play Grand Theft Auto Online with friends and join their party at the same time. It does not if work. If I did one of the other, I was booted off the internet. Yeah. See, you now, cannot. me on a... What actually gets to my PlayStation through Wi-Fi since I've changed it from a hardwire, I got like 170 megs. Um, through Wi-Fi? Yeah. That's not bad. And that's pretty good. I, and get, I think I get 250 wired. Yeah, wired, I get 250. Yeah, you, I get the um, full max speed I think we have. But... Through Wi-Fi, it's not bad, and uh, I PlayStation Now works perfectly for me. But you're asking a lot for people to all have this setup because what I'm learning more and more of is I see people definitely on Twitter and Reddit well, and Facebook. The, wireless is the thing to go, and it has been for like the past five years, sure, ten years. It's sure. even it's just enthusiasts who who know that like or who not only do they know but they they are the ones that will go hardwired yeah and I, I prefer hardwired it's just I can't have hardwired in two different places in this house but the way that this I don't think my laptop this has is set up. ethernet no, it no mine doesn't either too, too slim have you seen have you seen the ethernet that is no it's they, they have them where it pops out and then expands it's uh it's oh really you've told me about it before really cool yeah, yeah. it's like a port that pops out and yeah. so if you needed it you could but anyway my point being is that um you know, I see people in Facebook groups all the time who have internet that's four megabytes per second, more megabits, whatever it was like, and are, and are looking and thinking, like, is this speed good? And I'm like, that it goes to show me that they don't even know that this is poor speeds. Yeah, if you get four down. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I don't think, interestingly enough, I don't know if you saw, Phil Spencer recently said that he doesn't think that Google Stadia is going to have any kind of major effect on consoles. Of course it's not. And I, I don't, don't wrong. I thought so well. too, but it's interesting that he would say that when they have their own cloud streaming service coming out. You think he'd want to be a little more like, well, I don't think, it'll it'll be a good performer, but it's not going to have a major effect on consoles. I don't think it's going to sell well either. Um, but yeah, dude, look at that. It looks like a little transformer popping out the PC. Yeah, yeah that's kind of cool. Uh other stuff that I am a little excited for all comes down to weird THQ Nordic games and it's it's funny I already was having this thought, and then, of course, I hop on a Twitter, and I see uh, Ryan post it, and he says, you know, at this point, you have to believe that THQ Nordic is just like a cover-up for money laundering for, like, a big drug scheme or something. And how many games they, they have in development. so many games in development. And they have games that, that you don't feel like. And now, don't be wrong. Some of these games have got huge fan bases. Some of them don't. But, you know, it's like we hear uh, one of the things that we saw was that THQ Nordic confirmed that there is a new, it's not going to be at Gamescom, but there is a new Saints Row game in development at... Uh, um, Volition or whatever the name I don't of the developers. That for one second, uh, maybe but, they got like two lines of code written so they can legally say it's being developed. Well, either way, they've already said that. How long has it been since the last one? On. Since Saints Row Four, like four years. Thirteen, two thousand thirteen. 
Because it was still THQ. It wasn't yeah. THQ Nordic, so it was before THQ went under. Wow. Um, Six years. And it was a cross-gen game. So, yeah, it was before it was before PlayStation hit the market, PS4 hit the market, technically. I have a soft spot in my heart for Saints Row because, um, was it Saints Row 3 that was on PS3 that they had free one month for PlayStation Plus? Yes. And I downloaded it, and then I moved into my new apartments. And, of course, since we moved, and I was in a, a, a um, this is back when I lived at the Link, so obviously mm-hmm. my old apartments, um, back when I moved, you know, it's moving is very stressful and I was very anxious, uh, to the point where like I was, I was sweating a lot. Like I'd get like flash heat or whatever it's called, flash flop sweats. Mm-hmm. And like, I couldn't sleep. So like I would stay up all night playing Saints Row to get my mind off of my anxiety. So like, I, it's weird, but it was like, well, had, and three was the last time where three introduced some crazy stuff into the series. Yeah, but it was still, but it was still grounded. grounded. Yeah. And, and then four came and everybody's superheroes and it's happening yeah, inside of a dream. But it was still super fun to play. Yeah. And like, I, I always have a soft spot for three in my heart because of that. It helps me through a very anxious phase of my own place for the first time ever. But I'm not surprised. Volition has been teasing over and over again that they're doing something. And, and this falls in direct line with that. Pretty uh, much, but yeah. Th- they have a lot of stuff going on. So one of the things I'm really wanting to see is Biomutant. And I want to get that's, that's, probably not gonna be there well man here's the thing one of the things they recently came out and showed was and we talked about on the discord with liam uh is ridiculous four dollar collector's edition editions there's multiple from for multiple games but i'm talking about about biomutant yeah Um, so four hundred dollar biomutant uh they essentially came out and revealed the atomic edition which is a four hundred dollar um collector's edition that's going to have a huge diorama of uh, the player character fighting one of the game's giant beast uh, as well as some other stuff steelbook and some fabric art and stuff like that but outside of the fact that they have a weird uh, literal addiction to putting out four hundred dollar because <laughs> the Darksiders Genesis uh, Collector's Edition that comes with the board game, $400. THQ Nordic also talked about uh, the Crypto 137 Edition uh, for their Destroy All Humans reboot uh, or slash remake, whatever you want to call that. And it's coming out. It's $400. It comes with a statue of Crypto, which is fine. But then it comes with a Crypto backpack. What, why? They're all weird. It's the, the $400 one, Like I, I got to say this. Who in the world collects the little miniature things that comes with collector's editions and aren't buying it just for the statue. Like that's there are thing. people that do it, but it's few. I, or if I, they're going to be, I want them to be small stuff like God of War. Had. Yeah. I've never met someone. Destiny two is a perfect example. I got the, whatever the edition they've, they switched the names on it. I yeah. got the $80 one. I did not get the backpack and the speaker. And it came with a steel book, which was really dope. And it came with the art book, which was really dope, but it came with chess pieces and it wasn't a full chess set. Yeah. Why? You know, why does this come with a mouse pad and a cloth poster? The mouse pad can be a cloth poster. The cloth poster can be the mouse pad. Why do I need both? It's a good point. Now, here, now here's what's weird about that, it's right? Like, it's like you're, it's like, it's like you're adding things to inflate the price because that statue is not worth $400. Exactly. Well, no, now this one's, I'm not saying it's worth $400, but it is big. It's now, nice. It, here's Don't the, get me wrong. Yeah. still not nowhere here's near the difference. $400. I paid $400 for the Darksiders one. You got six statues. I got, I got four statues. Same difference. The but same amount. Four very big statues. Four and six is the same. Uh, yeah. But that one feels more in line of like, I understand what I'm that getting. That thing was also like 45 pounds. Yeah. But then you get to the thing of like the Darksiders Genesis one that and comes with that? an entire. Well, that one was four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars, okay. Yeah, and then the Darksiders Genesis four hundred dollars set. It comes with an entire exclusive to that edition. It will never be sold again. Board game that has miniatures and cards and a board and like a thing that you move around. That's still not worth it for me. Does it come with statues? Yeah. Okay, so it comes with. Does it come with all four statues? 
Uh, no, it comes with the it comes with a statue of. So it comes with one I, statue. I, I might be in a, a forgetting game? wrong, but yes, it comes with the game. See, how does this make sense? Stuff. How did you get a How did you get an edition with six statues for four hundred dollars? And then now they're offering four. another edition or four statues for hundred for four hundred dollars. <laughs> now there's another edition with one statue and a board game for four hundred dollars. Yeah, there's no correlation you, there. You're that one. I'm saying that you're paying for collectors something. editions are a racket. Well, think about it, it this make way, sense. right? The, the the collector's edition for Dark Siders Genesis was I'm getting because it comes with a uh, statue for Strife that matches the ones that right. came in that one and then the board game. So I need that. No, it comes with just that. Okay, it's 129 dollars. Yeah, fine, right? That's fine. And you get four of them, and it's less than four hundred dollars. So you get the value. Hold, hold on, hold on. Statues. Now. Oh God, what are one you saying statue. Now? The Dark Siders Genesis well, no. version is 129. You get one statue I know. for 129. But um, I, I that's it. If you had right? Four you, get, you get like a steel book and some other stuff. But on top of that's that, perfect pricing for a statue. In here, a game. I, I agree. That's fine. Now, what I think happens with the $400 version is that when you're getting a board game that's made for massive sale across everything, board games are already expensive. And ones that come with miniatures and a board and that, all these things are typically invalid. about $80 to $100. That, that excuse is invalid, though. How's it invalid? Because they're not making. A, you know, thousands of these are only making probably a couple hundred, which is why the cost is more. First of all, right? How, dude? Cost always goes down based on how much you're 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 actually making. Yeah, but you if can you're charge making, a lesser value. If you're making five hundred eighty dollar board games, yeah, that's a lot different than making a hundred and fifty four hundred dollar collector's edition statue versions, right? Well, yeah, but this board game comes with the four hundred dollar version, and that's, it's the well, only way you'll ever get it. Statue comes with the four hundred dollar version of Biomutant. Oh yeah, 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 no, yeah, no. I'm getting to the point of there's a clear line of where it, it makes more and more sense. Where it's like the four hundred dollars one with the game with the board game is a little weird, but it's like it's a one of a kind game that you're never gonna get anywhere else. You're paying partially for the fact that it's limited and that it's something that no one and else will ever if, have. And Darksiders has been a thing for fifteen years. Yes, almost. exactly. Now Biomutant, a new IP Brand that new no IP? one knows. It's Ron, weird. That will be on a clearance shelf at GameStop in six months and after I, its release. I will probably I get guarantee it. Guarantee you. Nobody, because I won't lie, dude. The statue's dope, and I really want it. It is. The statue's nice, but not for I would pay two hundred at most for that. Take all the crap out. I don't need the pins. I don't need the stickers. I don't need the mouse pads over a PS4 game. I need a mouse pad. <laughs> it's it's the useless stuff that comes with collector's edition. That's yes. why I'm all digital now. Yes. <laughs> Screw physical editions. I don't care. Um, but we're, you know, they've got so much stuff going on. Topic. Yeah, sure. They've got, and, and I don't think this is will be. This is probably not going to be at um, Gamescom. At, at Gamescom. It's hard to say, right? When when THQ says that they've got three unannounced games, it could be anything. One of the things we know for sure, it seems unlikely, but Time Splitters, uh, which is a I would great love, series, love to see that. The creator for it has uh, joined the company, and he says. He's joining in order to, quote, help plot the future course for this franchise, end quote. So what it comes down to for me is that there are a lot of games that exist in that double-A sphere that exist primarily from a PS2 days, some of the PS3 days when there was also a good renaissance of double-A games that we've seen THQ Nordic do and bring back this time. Between THQ Nordic and, um, oh, Lord, uh, Focus... Home, interactive focus, focus on interactive, interactive yeah. uh, we've had a really great run of the mill over great double A games things like Vampire uh, and things like Darksiders 3 which I think was great Darksiders Genesis looks like really interesting use of that uh, and you keep going you have things like um Plague Tale Innocence, which was one of my favorite games this year so far. So when you keep looking at those things, it's like this: the, the need for this stuff to exist is fine, and I want to see what they have to show. But when you tell me that before these three unannounced games, and you also talk about a year ago they had 57 games, it gets to be weird. Of how, how do you land on these things in any way that makes sense? Right. 
there's just a lot going on. The last thing I want to talk about because it's in, interesting to see is that um, we saw Sega earlier this year talk about not relying so much on new IP and instead leaning on IP that people already like. But one of the things we know is going to be out there uh, is Sega have a new... Uh, unrevealed IP. Unrevealed IP that they launched a teaser website for that you can see. And it's going to be in this thing. And it's a triple A game from what they're saying. Uh, and if you look at the website, it looks like the game is probably going to be called Humankind. Hard to say. Uh, but across the board. Wasn't there another game called Humankind? It sounds like way too familiar for that not to be a game title, right? Uh, kind of. I can see that. Now there's the, the Mankind uh, or the Humankind That's Odyssey what or whatever. Of, yeah. No, it's, Ancestors. it's Deus Ex Machina Humankind Divided. Humankind divided. Mankind divided, but... Is it? Yeah. Close enough. But there is a game coming out with the thing, which is the Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey or whatever. Um, Pretty sure it's what it's called. But yeah, seeing them come out with a new one, I'm always excited to see new IP because I I think new IPs have done great this generation and we've seen a lot of them instead of what I was worried about that we'd see a lot of people resting on their laurels. Not only have we seen PlayStation do really well with new IP, I'm glad to say that. We've also seen Microsoft at least try and do new IP, some to mixed success and some to no success at all. Um, I'm not going to say it all. That's a little unfair. But still pretty muted uh and i'd say that you can see some of these things come out and they hit very similar to something like the order you know quantum break did not do very well it sold probably about as much as the order did it was reviewed a little bit better but it doesn't matter in the fact that we're seeing these people try new ips and that's what i want to see more and more of so my takeaway my final statement about gamescom in particular is going to be that i think across the board gamescom i want to see new ip and that's part of why biomutant is so exciting to me i want to see a new ip come out into fruition and me see it and then get to play it and then end up being great we've seen a lot of new ip come from the double a sphere like we've talked about already with vampire and, and things like plague tale innocence um but, you know, as, as exciting as I am for things like Darksiders coming out and being back around because I love that series, I'm just as excited to see what new thing I've never played and never even thought of that someone's going to introduce to me. And that's, that's what I'm excited about. No, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, the surprises is what really gets you at this. And I, so I wanted the community's take to be obviously not what you're excited for because it's going to come out. At but an what hour. excites you no, that what? you saw? <laughs> Go ahead. I will set up my card. <laughs> I'm saying, what was your favorite reveal at Gamescom or, or com? What was your favorite game showed? Um, not even a reveal, because it may not be a reveal. You may see something that you really enjoyed about um, Death Stranding, perhaps. Or maybe even uh, you saw Destiny 2 Shadowkeep uh, reveal, and you're like, hey, I don't know why it's called a reveal on his tweet. They've revealed it. Yeah, So it's kind of weird. True. Uh, we might get some new trailer or information about it, but... Yeah, let us know and uh, hey. hope we don't get that annoying world premiere voice act, like voiceover that they give at game awards they for everything. Do. I don't, I've I hate used it. to it. But uh, if you like the video, uh, like us on uh, YouTube and subscribe. And of course, if you like us on podcast services, if they have a reviewing outlet for us, please do so. And uh, I'll let Brett take care of us uh, with our delicious patrons. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you.